episode 59 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts for today. My name is Brandon Chowan. And joining me, as always, we have Ash Collins and Mark Nadu. Ash, how are things going today? I'm awake. What? <laughs> Ash just woke up from a nap recently. And so he is ready and, and, and or I guess, willing. I, I don't know. He's ready to go. We'll just keep it I'm, that. I'm conscious. We'll go with There con- you are. That's good. Okay. And how about... How about you, Mark? How are things today? Oh, I'm, oh, I'm kind of pissed off now. I was going to do the I'm awake line as my <laughs> intro, and uh, Ash just took it from me. So uh, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. Snooze, you I'm lose. Stewing my, I'm stewing in second place right now. <laughs> Very good. So just as a reminder to everybody, today we are discussing the complete first season of the Netflix original series, Stranger Things. And then next week, we begin that brand new podcast arc where we are going to cover the entire directorial career of one of my favorites, Rob Zombie. So next week will be the start of that seven podcast arc with a review of House of a Thousand Corpses. So make sure you try to watch that one somehow in the coming week here. All right, so we are going to bypass the question of the week this week just because I think the Stranger Things is going to be a bit of a long discussion. So let's just jump right into the world of media. I'm, I'm, I'll go ahead and start this week. Frankly, I didn't do much at all in terms of media. Um, I actually had my birthday on Sunday. I turned 30 years old. So this is my first podcast as a 30-year-old. So hopefully I sound you know more sophisticated <laughs> and whatnot. Yeah, right? Um, but anyway, so... Uh, we were going out to Dave and Buster's, which is basically an arcade, um, this on Saturday. And I came back, and lo and behold, my wife had put together over the last couple months or month here uh, a surprise party for me. So I actually had a surprise birthday party on Saturday, which was a ton of fun. Whole family was over, a bunch of friends over. We had a great time. And so that pretty much consumed my entire Saturday. And then Sunday was my actual birthday, so my parents came back down. We actually had to fix my toilet which was not fun at all, but important because it uh, needed to be fixed. Regarding and, your party, uh, um, I, I guess I didn't RSVP in time, so I couldn't make it. I apologize. Hey, um, it's all right. But now, what kind of receptacle did you have the door to put your keys in? Was it a glass bowl or was it like a big piece of Tupperware and then you just had to fish keys out after? Or uh, what, how, how did you – how did you uh, – uh, how did you keep the keys at the front of the door? I, I, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. I, I, you've never heard of a key party before? No, I sh- I've not. You're 30 years old. You should know what a key party is. <laughs> what the hell is it? What do you well, – why? What, what you do is that uh, couples will uh, drop their keys in a bowl oh, when, yeah? when you walk in. And then after everybody has had a few libations <laughs> um, – one of the couples, or usually the uh, woman of the twosome, uh, will go and pick keys out of the bowl. And if they're not your keys, then you must copulate with the male or equal uh, partner on the from whoever owns the keys. So wow. they call it a keeper. Keeps things exciting when you get into your thirties. Yeah, you know? they do things differently up in Canada, don't they? they because things just get boring after you know you're in 30. You need to spice things up a bit with a key party. Oh, man. Well, hey, you learn something new every day here on the uh, Cinefessions podcast. So thank you for that explanation because yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, usually around February, that's when it gets really cold. We call it a none of it key party. So we all keep warm with each other's keys. Oh, my God. 
Now, if you go to Miami oh. and you have a key party, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> it usually involves uh, snow, but it isn't snowing outside. I won't go <laughs> oh there. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you're so ridiculous. Oh, man. So, anyway, my no, week was uh, was pretty much that. So, I didn't really do too much. So, uh, I, I watched the entirety of Stranger Things. So, that was that was it for me. What about you, uh, Mark? What did you end up doing this past week in the world of media? Uh, uh, Media-wise, um, not too much. I wanted to go to the movies on Tuesday uh, and see the new Star Trek film. But instead, uh, I went water sliding. And I know it's not a real big media thing, but I thought this was kind of cool. So there's, uh, I went to this uh, water park called Calypso Water Park. Okay. And it's about 75 kilometers from Montreal. And they've got two slides. They're very similar. Um, they're called Gravity Loops. And pretty much you walk up 90 flights of stairs. Oh, and wow. once you wait 25 minutes in line, um, when it's your turn <laughs> to slide, you pretty much walk into this like capsule. Okay. You cross your legs, you cross your arms, you hold your head back. And then there's a countdown from three to, to zero. Mm-hmm. When zero hits, the floor drops from underneath you and you go sliding. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty fucking terrifying. <laughs> so, wow. so, but the thing is, is that because gravity is just you know, propelling you, um, you actually, the slide actually goes up and then curves back down again. So, you're actually being shot. You go down and you get shot up in the tube and then back down. I felt like a photon torpedo. Um, it was uh, <laughs> it was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah. So, I did, that's why I didn't go to the movies. But since we, uh, since we saw Holiday from last week... Um. Oh, what, I won't go through all of them. I only saw a few films. Um, I finally saw Grimsby, or also known as the Brothers Grimsby, the Sasha Baron Cohen film uh, that was oh, okay. uh, done with Mark. I believe it's Mark uh, Stone. If, if Strong. I'm right, Mark Strong. That's it. Yeah. Um. I, I I bought it on the cheap from my Russian friend, so I didn't have too many. Uh, I wasn't expecting high brow from this film. And it's not. Have you guys seen this film at all? No. no. Oh my god! I don't want to say a word then because you're going to be so grossed out. But it's so fucking funny. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just say there's an elephant scene, and it's it's, it's so crazy. I watch it at work, okay? So I'm watching this with COVID. <laughs> I'm almost apologizing for the film because at first they're staring at the TV. I'm the one laughing out loud, and I think their draws actually hit the ground, so they couldn't make any sound. <laughs> it's funny. So, oh, you well. see Borat, you saw Bruno, um, mm-hmm. Ali G, I never watched. But, uh, so you know his type of humor. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, it, it, it's, again, very similar uh, male humor. Uh, you know, pretty pretty homoerotic humor. Uh, <laughs> it made me laugh because it's so out of left field. It's so far fetched. It's so funny. Um, I said just just for that. Uh, is, is it a good movie? No, but I like Mark Strong a lot. Uh, he's he was awesome in Kick Ass. I like him pretty much anything he does. So that's one of the reasons why I actually bought this one. And uh, awesome. Um, I rewatched John Wick, which is one of my favorite action films of the last two years. Okay. Um, if you've never seen it, Ken Reeves, long story okay. short, he's a retired hitman, comes out of retirement after uh, some uh, Russian punks, not related to my video store uh, guy, um, steals his car and kills his dog. 
So now he's out for revenge because his dog died. Um, it's, it's fantastic. And that's me minimizing the pot without spoiling mm-hmm. anything. Worth watching. Um, I also watched the original House of Haunted Hill. Uh, just because I have okay. the Vincent Price collections and uh, I've barely scratched the surfaces on them. So yeah, mine are both unopened yet. Yeah, so oh, oh there's three out now, huh? There's, there's I, I don't have the third one yet, but the first two uh, I I do own, Good. but I have the, not opened them. The first one's a hard one to find now because it's out of print, and apparently it's yeah. like 150 bucks. So if wow. you have it, keep it. Um, Absolutely. If you you know if you don't like the films, you can probably sell it for a mint on a on a secondary market. But um, House on Haunted Hill is on the second volume. It's on the last disc. It's by itself. It looks amazing. And you know what? I had never seen the original in its completion before. Um, okay. Beautiful. A beautiful film. Um, a lot like the remake, um, but not as graphic. And there's a little less there's a little less killing in the, in the, the original. Um, but Vincent Price is the man. And he's the man in everything he does. Like, he just owns it. It's awesome. A fantastic William Castle film. And uh, last night, I felt... I wasn't really in the mood to, to watch a movie, but then I did. So I picked up uh, from one of my draft house movies I picked up, I bought uh, the FP from 2011. Oh, okay. Uh, a low budget, kind of turbo kiddish in feel, yeah. but not so apocalyptic. Hmm. Uh, so a bit in the future, the US is divided in zones and two gangs from two separate zones are fighting for the FP, which is, which is uh, a trailer park. And the way they uh, assert their domination, it's through a rip-off version of Dance Dance Revolution. So uh, they fight each other via Dance Dance Revolution. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Now, the movie itself, it's full of uh, Caucasians, Asians, uh, Latinos. Uh, there are no black people in the film, but mm. they talk gangster. Like yeah. they're throwing n bombs with the a, so it's a soft a, you know. But n bombs, they're <laughs> they're talking, they're talking urban, and that's part of the joke. It's a comedy because you can't take it yeah. seriously. So it's like they're acting, um, like you know, uh, they're acting like a rap video because some guys have bling in their teeth. They're dressed all funny, like they're part of a dance crew, you know. So like the gangs have each own colors. It, it's interesting. Um, is it great? No. Is it bad? No. It's in between. Um, some uh, jokes are totally misses. But when they hit, they hit hard. The The main bad guy, uh, he's known by he's known as uh, L.E. So his name is Lee. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's his only film. Uh, his name is actually Lee Valmassi. And he was hilarious. I, <laughs> I really dug his swagger in this film. Um, as well, it is a, a, an actress by the name of Caitlin Foley, who plays the main squeeze that's between both gangs. Uh, she was pretty awesome as well. Uh, pretty nice on the eyes, too. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much all I really watched in this last week, you know. So, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Awesome. And what about you, Ash? Uh, more Top Gear off of Netflix, some West Wing, some Criminal Minds. Uh, my big thing, though, is Saturday I went out and saw Star Trek Beyond, uh, which oh, okay. was fantastic. Good, um, good. They, uh, it, it's basically, it's, it's mainstream Star Trek, uh, mm-hmm. but it felt like uh it felt like watching like an old episode or an, a good episode of the original series um but okay. at the same time 
mainstream enough so that audiences could get into it. I mean, it was a fairly yeah. simple plot. It wasn't like overly convoluted or anything, but they just had, they threw in enough that anyone who's like a long-term Star Trek fan would get the references, but they weren't so in your face with it that most people would be like, what the hell are they talking about? Like it didn't depend on the, the joke. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, but yeah, the, the shots, I, there was a couple things that bothered me about it. They do shaky cam in a couple of the scenes. And I was sitting like in the third row back. So that kind of like bug, bug the crap. Anyway, if I was further back, I think it would have been a little better. Um, yeah. But like the uh, like the uh, the shots of the ships outside and they're like uh, like some of the, the, the character moments are fantastic. Uh, they could they could have made this entire movie with like any of the pairings that they had out there just following them the whole movie and it would have been fantastic. Uh, the dialogue was just great. Um, but uh, I honestly think it's probably my favorite of the three reboot movies. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, I, and I was like kind of poo-pooing it again, you know, when they first released the, mm-hmm. the first trailer, because they were like, oh, look, they're blowing up the Enterprise again. But um, it, it works with the film and the way they paired up everybody to actually give all of the characters not necessarily equal screen time, but stuff to do, you know, so it wasn't like, you know, like, you know, Sulu's not sitting at the helm the whole movie. He actually has something, you know, to contribute to the story, you know, the same with Uhura and all them, you know, so it just it it feels more like, you know, like it feels like the, the movie you want on their 50th anniversary of Star Trek. So but uh, definitely, definitely heavy on the action and the action's mm-hmm. pretty good. So uh, definitely awesome. worth seeing in theaters. Very cool. Yeah, you know what? I haven't even seen the second one yet. I love the first one and uh, missed the second one in theaters. And then I bought it the day it came out and I still haven't watched the damn thing yet. So I had to watch that one before I go see the third yeah, one. You, you don't, the you, one. Um, yeah, you don't actually have to watch Into Darkness to, to get into um, to Beyond, honestly. Oh, OK. Uh, they they don't necessarily. I don't even know if they had any real references to Into Darkness at all. Um Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty self it's actually pretty self-contained. Like if you hadn't watched uh there the only thing toward like the uh Spock story if like you hadn't watched the orig- the the first reboot movie, you might not understand why Spock dealing with Spock is a big deal, but uh yeah. Hmm. And what were you saying, Mark? Oh, I, I had just rewatched it Into Darkness on my flight uh, back from Winnipeg. Maybe I mentioned it last week or not, but I remember not okay. really liking it the first time I saw it, and then watching mm-hmm. it for the first time since, and I I really liked it. I thought it was a great piece of science yeah, fiction I'm- up until yeah, I, you know, I did talk about it because uh, yeah, I just remember yeah, that's, yeah. That, that stupid chase scene at the end. But uh, yeah, it, it's <laughs> worth checking out. Uh, Cumberbatch is pretty awesome. So. Yeah, the whole everyone was like all the all the the diehard fans I know. Well, not all the diehard fans, but a lot of the the Star Trek purists were all pissed at the motorcycle being included. They're like, "Oh, it's going to be Fast and Furious." Well, Kirk rides a motorcycle. They already established that in the first movie. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they the the way they utilize it and beyond, it makes perfect sense and it fits. It's not just oh, we're just going to throw a motorcycle scene in because we want to throw a motorcycle scene in. It, it's why he's doing it. That's perfect. So, yeah, I, I want to see it. I just the chance to really go to the theaters. So, it's mm-hmm. on my bucket list. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if I go to the theaters, I want to. I need to see Lights Out. I think that one looks so damn good, and I really want to see. Apparently, already got greenlit for a sequel. Yep, I saw that. So this week. James yeah. Wan is the carpenter of 2010, or 
whatever. <laughs> even he, he would probably even surpass. Like he's probably one of the modern great horror directors of our of this generation. Yeah, no doubt you about know? that. Like Absolutely everything not. he touches uh, turns to gold. Like I think the yeah. only film I didn't like was Dead Silence, that puppet one. Yes, me too. That's it. And I want to like that movie every time right. I, I watch it. I just cannot. Like, I, I don't hate it. It's just, it's it could be so much better than it is. And I'm surprised given that it's James Wan. To but. me, that's his only little bullet on a on a peaking graph, really. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to mention too, I finally finished watching Weed Season 6. Oh, okay. And holy shit, did that suck. I, <laughs> I don't know if okay. you guys watch Weeds at all. Never seen an episode. No. Well, long story short, I keep saying that. Um, the surmise: uh, <laughs> woman sells dope out of her house. Uh, thing, chaos ensues. Next thing you know, she's in she's in cahoots with the Mexican cartel and whatever. Anyways, the, the, the show is a comedy. Um, more, I wouldn't say dramedy, but more comedy than drama. But there's been a fair amount of drama this season, or at least season six, which is from what 2011, I think. Um, I liked the characters up until this season, and now I hated most of them. I started watching this, it's only 13 episodes, I think 12 or 13. I started watching this probably like four months ago, and I finally finished. That's how long it's stuck into my DVD player. I just wow, oh, it was a pain to watch the series and there's still two more seasons to watch, which I already own. So I kind of have to, um, <laughs> yeah. So I was kind of glad it was done, but at the same time, kind of bummed that there's two more to go. Maybe it'll get better. Right. Yeah, I hope, I really hope so. You know, when you actually hate the main character, uh, it doesn't make for a fun show. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah, you just, I imagine you're going to have to hate with watch it. it then. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I've been hate watching this show. I've been hate watching, um, bones for the last few seasons. Uh, I don't like to hate watch. Life's too short. (laughs) I know. That's why I'm proud of myself. I tapped out of Pretty Little Liars after this uh, last season because I hated where they went after the five-year jump. I just thought it was horrible. And I decided, you know what? Fuck it. Like, there's too much shit to watch. I'm not wasting my time with it anymore. And so That's what I did with Castle. I bailed on Castle after season Mm. four or five. I'm like, now they're Mm -hmm. so lovey-dovey. It's more about their relationship than the cases and- Ugh. You should never pair your two main characters together. Even the whole Mulder Scully thing didn't turn out that great. I still haven't watched the revival that happened this year, but uh, I bought it, so I'll either love it or hate watch it. It's only six episodes, so really, you know, I should be able to get that done if I'm hate watching with by Christmas. And I, I a couple things I wanted to mention that I completely forgot about. Uh, first off, I uh, I got some gift cert- gift cards for my mm. birthday. I swear to God, if you would have showed up that birthday, you wouldn't know if it was for a 10-year-old or a 30-year-old because of all the like Marvel and DC shit, all this comic book themed things that were at my party. And then people got me gifts, which was really nice and unexpected, especially for a 30-year-old's birthday party. Um, But I definitely appreciate it. I got a bunch of Amazon gift cards, so I spent those literally the next day. Uh, I bought some kind of what horror cult type things uh blu-rays i got uh, deathbed the bed yes. that eats from cult epics actually filmed in uh, detroit here so i had to pick that one up i grabbed the 20th anniversary edition of mosquito from synapse okay. films which stars uh uh what's his name gunner hansen the original uh, leather mm-hmm. face i grabbed a movie called hunters 
and uh, for a massacre video. And this one, I've it was just cheap, and so I picked it up. It's supposed to be just really fucked up. And uh, a good friend of mine who I follow on Twitter, Xander Kane, he said it was one of the uh, just kind of dirtiest, uh, grimiest films he's ever seen. It just makes you want to take a bath afterwards. And so I was like, okay, that'll that'll be good. We'll try that one. That's some good smut. Absolutely. And then finally I picked up, I love Grindhouse releasing. They do an excellent job with all their releases. And so Cat in the Brain, the Lucio Fulci film just came out. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I spent a little more than I'd planned and grabbed that one. And last but not least, the Batman 66 complete series. I had to get that one too. Now, is that the the TV show or the comic book uh, compilation? The, The TV show. Oh, okay. Yeah, so all three seasons on Blu-ray, it was like 60 bucks for the entire thing. So I was like, you know what? I got the gift cards. Let's do it. I love Batman, but I can't stand Adam West. I cannot watch that show. The the original TV show, mm-hmm. I just, ugh. The, to me, yeah. that's like hate watching. Yeah. <laughs> you know, from what I've seen, it's just like can't be fun. Yeah. Um, I used to watch it when I was a lot younger, uh, but mm-hmm. I haven't watched much of it since. And what I have seen recently it just looks like campy it's just like funny ridiculousness yeah and so uh i was like figuring that i might enjoy it a little bit so i I grabbed that just to try it out more so just because it's batman and so the more i can watch the better in my Mm -hmm. eyes so well i came back from the states yesterday uh i Mm -hmm. went for just for i guess for a few hours just to uh pick up some mail and i stopped at a local walmart and I'm not going to go through what I got, but I picked up like a four or five like Amazon orders. Um, okay. If you guys are interested in seeing what I bought, you can uh, check out the pictures I have on my Instagram. It is unlocked at uh, mnado02. That's uh, M-N-A-D-E-A-U-02. That is on Instagram. I've got pictures of what I purchased. Yeah, and there's a bunch of good stuff there. So definitely recommend checking that out. That's for my Patreon uh, <laughs> supporters. <laughs> I'm a cosplayer, oh, and you can see my penis if you want to. <laughs> oh. Hey, uh, did you watch Battleground? I did. Okay, yeah. Oh, I uh, thought it was the best pay-per-view they've had this year. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, on paper, it looked like the shittiest fucking pay-per-view in a long time, mm-hmm. but it was actually really good. I was shocked. Aside from the uh, Intercontinental Championship match, which I yes. thought was just horrendous, Yes, uh, I thought it was a really good card. And yeah. Um, yeah, so that's the other thing I did over the weekend that I forgot to mention. Then I watched Raw and I watched SmackDown Live, okay. and uh, Raw was actually really, really good this week. They named, uh, you know, we have the WWE Universal Championship is going to be on Raw, and it's going to be Seth Rollins versus, of all people, Finn Balor. And so that should be an excellent match at at SummerSlam. And then SmackDown is... uh, It's Ambrose versus Ziggler. Yes. Which, that surprised me, Ziggler. But hey, fresh start, why not, you know? Exactly. It, it's it's better than any of the other main events we've had recently, excluding maybe that triple threat. I was interested in the triple threat from from Battleground, and I thought they did a really good job with it. But aside from that, like you know, it's it's cool to not have those giant names like Cena, you know, uh, Triple H, anything like well, that. After seeing the there. Cena, uh, Enzo, and Cass match versus mm-hmm. uh, the Club, yeah, I still think Cena's hurt. Because he, yeah, was, you know he what? wasn't in the match much. And that finish, like the match was awesome up until that finish where he did the AA off the ropes. Yeah. Just struggling to have AJ. Like it just, right. it, the ending sucked. 
but the match itself was awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think Definitely. I think Cena's hurt. well. First of all, he's on SmackDown because of a more limited schedule. Yeah, exactly. I still right. I think he's hurt. I don't think he's hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it very well could be, but um, and, and he, I think it was you who told me you heard rumors that they would have a women's tag team title on SmackDown. That was the rumor I saw online. Yeah, I so. can't imagine that's true because did you see the the cast of of women wrestlers they have on SmackDown? Yeah, it's garbage. They yeah. have like. The 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 bad half of the women wrestling wrestlers, unfortunately. Uh well, they, so they're going to tell you Becky, and then uh, I guess Bliss, yeah. Carmella, going to SmackDown, which they're good on NXT. Um, Are they? I, I don't know them. That's oh, so. Yeah, I could just not. I could be ignorant at this point. Bliss but is like, tiny. Marie. Yeah, Bliss is tiny, but she's good. She's really good, and Carmella's gotten become a, such a good wrestler. Carmella's gorgeous too. Yeah, um, I, I, I think uh, Eva's on Raw, if I'm correct, right? No, she's on SmackDown because she came out on Tuesday. Is she okay? So that's you know, okay, that's no. a downside, I guess, to the division. Yeah, if there's only four or five women there, then obviously they can't have a tag uh, division. Yeah, I think I think there's only about half a dozen. So if that's so. the case, then maybe they'll do another women's championship, but then that kind of dilutes. Right, you know, like no, Sasha's the champ. Unless the champ goes from show to show, but then is that too much for your female wrestler? You know, to yeah, be on both shows. Yeah, I don't think they're shows? doing that. I don't. The way they talk it is as if like it's completely separate this time. There, you know, there's not any kind of roving champions, yeah. and I like that about it. But that's at least that's the feel I get, then, and so then I'm thinking they're going to really stack up the women's divisions and have maybe some more indie wrestlers. Maybe Blue Pants will come back. Like who knows. You know, yeah. like they've kind of cannibalized uh, the NXT women's division, and now mm-hmm. all the jobbers are now going to become more, you know, primetime players just because right. they have to step up now. Um, I'm still about two weeks behind on NXT, so oh, uh, okay. I can't. I, like, I just finished watching uh, Nakamura versus Baylor. No, I'm just saying I watched last night, so I know what the uh, the what is is it NXT Takeover Brooklyn coming back? Yeah, that's gonna be the night before that, uh, Super uh, Super Slam, uh, Summer Slam. <laughs> so I know what that main event's gonna be just from watching last night, but oh, that's about what it. What is it? Oh, that's fine. You don't have to. I don't care about the spoilers. So okay, it's Samoa Joe versus Nakamura, like you thought it was going to okay, be. Okay, that's that's not a surprise whatsoever. Yeah, uh, and obviously, I, I I don't see Nakamura losing. And, I I don't either because I think Joe has to come up. Yeah. I think he will. You know, he had his little feud with Rhino again. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't see Joe staying down there much longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only reason why him and oh, him and Bailey weren't, you know, drafted is because they already had Sterling's plan for them. Um, right. I, I, Bailey, I'd be surprised if she's not on SmackDown just because they need it. But at the same time, then who do they have on Raw? They got Dana Brooks, who sucks. They got Charlotte. They got Sasha. Mm-hmm. Um, who else do they have? Dana Brooks. Charlotte, Sasha, is that huh. it? I can't think of it off. I can't oh, think of Nia who Jax, else offhand. Which I do like. But that's only four as oh, well. Oh, yeah, Nia Jax. So I'm not sure what they're going to do with the championship. Uh, yeah, who knows? Like, that's, I wish they would have just kept the women on one brand, and I think the cruiserweights on it want a brand like they're doing. But I think having the cruiserweights on Raw is a mistake. I really feel like the cruiserweights should be on SmackDown because SmackDown is severely lacking in star power yeah. outside of their main five guys, basically outside of that six-packs challenge that they had on Tuesday. Well, Wyatt's going to be pushed as a monster heel. Like He'll be the yes. main bad guy on SmackDown, which I like. Which this is good. He, right. He deserves it. He's been jobbing Absolutely. so much in 2015. He deserves to get a shot mm-hmm. this year. Um, right. But yeah, they should have cruiserweights and they should have had uh, the woman on SmackDown. 
I I, it, it, I think it's a shame that they split them both up. But right, they, you know, they've got the master plan, so we'll just have to sit and wait and see what happens next. Hmm. All right. So now that we've lost ninety nine percent of our viewers, oh well, probably a hundred listeners, rather. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to the reason we are here today. Okay. And that is to review season one of the Netflix original series, Stranger Things. So, as always, there will be spoilers for Stranger Things. We will be talking about the entire season, and we will be spoiling everything. And if you have not seen this show yet, do not continue with this podcast. Make sure you stop, go watch all eight episodes, then come back and hit play once you are done. And uh, enjoy our conversation of Stranger Things. So again, there will be spoilers for all eight episodes. And we'll probably still moving be, forward. We'll still be talking by the time you finish watching. So right, yes, we'll exactly. be here. Don't mind us. Oh. So this series was created by the Duffer Brothers, which the only uh, thing that they've done that I've heard of, and frankly, the only really. Uh, like feature length film they've done was called Hidden from 2015. Have you guys seen that one? No. Nope. Never even heard of it. O- only thing I saw on their IMDb that kind of looked familiar to me was a few episodes of uh, Wayward Pines, which I still haven't yeah, watched. Yeah, and that's the other thing. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I did write a few of those. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, Hidden has Alexander Skarsgård and it looks like kind of a, I haven't seen it, but it looked like a post apocalyptic type thing where they're stuck in a bunker or whatever. But, okay. So. Different, obviously, but quite different than what we get here with Stranger Things. So, well, can you do a Stranger quick, Things? Can you do a quick aside? Since you said about uh, a bunker, um, a movie I saw at Fantastic Fest uh, last uh, fall called Der Bunker or The Bunker in German okay. is actually being released on Blu-ray soon. It's on pre-order on Amazon right now. Do yourself a favor and check it out. It's pretty fucked up, but it's awesome. really good. It's called Der Bunker. Very cool. Definitely. Well, oh, speaking of that, yes. the wave. Is yes. now on Netflix, and I plan on watching it oh, very is soon. It? Oh, yeah, I got it on Blu-ray. I know. I saw that. We actually went to Best Buy to pick it up, but I was like, ah, fifteen bucks. I don't know. I'm gonna wait. Yeah. And so, uh, good thing I did because now it's on Netflix. So That's I'll just awesome. get to watch it and see. And the invitation is on Netflix as well, which is something I want to watch. Um, I, I want to pick it up on Blu-ray. I just haven't yet, but uh, it got amazing reviews at Fantastic Fest last year, and uh, I unfortunately didn't get the chance to see it. But uh, that's one to watch. Then also another one on Netflix, Darling is out now, which was another uh, Fantastic Fest uh, screening uh, last fall, which is uh, also one to pick up. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I heard really good things about that as well. Yeah, and another one that um, I enjoyed a good amount was called Holidays uh, from 2016, <laughs> kind of a horror anthem. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you did. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Yeah. So Stranger Things. Currently has an IMDb score of 9.2 out of 53,501 votes, a Metacritic score of 75, a tomato meter of 94% with an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 96%. So this is one of the highest rated things that we've reviewed on the podcast in quite some time, if not ever. So high expectations going in. That's for damn sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So I was telling Mark and Ash before we started here, uh, you know, it took me a while to finally start this. But when I did, um, you know, I watched the first six episodes in one sitting and then the final two episodes in the next sitting. And uh, I just I didn't really feel like sitting down and taking a bunch of notes. So I, even though this is, you know, almost eight hours in length, the, each episode's 
little under 50 minutes. The main, the final episode, I believe, was like 55 minutes. So, I mean, you're talking just under eight hours ish of content. And I probably have about the same amount of notes as I do with uh, like our normal film that we discuss each week. So, I don't think going through episode by episode is necessary. And so, let's just dive in anywhere and um, give some thoughts. So, I'll start here at the, at the top of my notes and then just kind of work my way through. Uh, so, I thought everything opened up really, really well. It, it set this this tone immediately. It was just a great introduction. The the creature, though we don't really get a good look at it for most of the series, frankly. Um yeah. it it was it was creepy in this very opening of of the show. So um obviously this is the opening I'm referring to is uh like the, the scientist is trying to run away from something and he gets in the elevator and he just keeps looking down the the hallway and it's Mm -hmm. empty until the very end. Then you kind of see this creature, which looks alien in nature. Um, uh, And you don't know what it is. You don't get a great look at it, but I thought that was the way it was shot. It went back to that long hallway with nothing there too many times for me. Cause I was like, fuck, like put something there because I, um, you're freaking me out with nothing being there. I was waiting for something. And then all of a sudden, obviously the creature appears above him. I mean, that was, it was really well done. Yeah. And I, I like the little details, you know, like you saw like the dust yes. in the air, you know, Love like, that. just these, these little things. It just makes you think, wow, you know, I'm, I'm about to watch something that's really well crafted Yep. because they have, you know, they, they take time to really flesh out these little details. Right. You know, and that's just something yeah, that's, I appreciate. Yeah, that's one thing the show was really insanely good at was atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you, f- you could put yourself in their situation just by the way they shot it, because it's just like you could, you know, you know, like you said, the air particles, you know, the, uh, you know, the different things, just the way they did it. It's just like wow, you know, this. It, you know, it has feeling to it just by watching this. Yeah. And to go along with that, I think the, uh, I wrote down much later, the filming locations where they shot this was just perfect because it felt like you were just in an eighties suburban neighborhood and, uh, everything worked so damn well. And it was actually, I had a look, it was actually filmed another series that was filmed in Georgia, in Georgia, which has become quite popular since, uh, the walking dead started filming there. Well, Georgia has a has a thing too where they they give you like a cut yep. or not like a, I think a tax incentive or something like yes. that to to film there. Right. So yeah, that that's part of it too. I imagine yeah. and that's and, and and what's cool too is that uh, Netflix was able to tip some money because they were filming in Georgia. Uh, they paid the, the uh, kids in peaches. <laughs> oh, I a little fact from Mark. There you go. But you know, sweet Georgia peaches. That's right. <laughs> So immediately with this series, the one thing that stands out throughout the entirety is how much I love these characters. And and that's so difficult to do with a group of what preteen boys who yeah. are generally just annoying assholes, but not at all here. They were just in, in instantly incredibly likable. So can, can can we assume we all like the same character the most? <laughs> Dustin? You got that right. Yeah. Dustin. Which one, uh, wait, Dustin. Kind of like the curly hair guy. 
Yeah, the, bigger the, kid. With the missing the tooth, the tooth issue. Yes, yes, he was yeah. great. God, he is so by good. far the best written character in the film. Yeah, um, he's the heart of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he's also uh, he represents probably the viewers in the film. Yeah. You know, uh, we're kind of watching this through his eyes as well, because like he doesn't really pick a side, you know, when it comes between um, L or with uh, Lucas. with uh, Lucas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like we want we want everybody to get along and he wants everybody to get along. So in a way, it's like we're we're him while we're watching the film. Right. You know, at least that's how I kind of felt. No, watching I think it. you're absolutely right. Yeah. You know, but like just as an aside to to this young cast, mm-hmm. they were amazing. Yeah, like, they the 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 whole time I'm watching this, uh, it feels like a Stephen King novel. Yeah, shot mm-hmm. by Steven Spielberg. Yes, that was the that was the best way to describe this. Yeah, I think absolutely. That's a yeah, great yeah. Th- that's exactly what the, what I felt mm-hmm. watching this film or watching this c- series. Yeah, yeah. Um, really, it's one long movie, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's. Like, we've had recent films where they're trying to hit the nostalgia, like Super 8, which they did to a certain extent. Uh, I love Super 8. There was another recently that I watched. I just can't think of it right now. But I found that this movie, or again, this series resonated the most with me. Um, So this was based in 83, so I was about 4 or 5. So I'm kind of, you know, age-wise, I'd be a little younger than this group here. Mm -hmm. But it hit me on all the nostalgia factors. Yeah. Like you know, just for, from from Goonies to Altered States, uh, to to you know Spielberg to Carpenter to King, like this movie felt like my childhood in one eight-hour present. You know, <laughs> uh, minus the you know upside down and you know the the killer monsters, but uh, yeah, I, I I just like this movie just hit me on every frequency, and I I just sat there. I actually I watched this whole series with my dad, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we we just enjoyed the hell out of the series, you know. Uh, one episode after another. I wanted to stop at four. I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, I you couldn't know? either. I I tried. I'm like, that was four. I could stop here, but god damn it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, like my dad gave me the puppy dog eyes. Like, can we continue? And I'm yeah. like, I didn't want to, but I wanted to, you know. <laughs> and uh, obviously, you know, then when he started crying, I'm like, okay, fine, let's continue. And, you know, <laughs> I'm just kidding, dad. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I think the the boys are written so well, and and they're just genuine nerds, you know. And it's yes. they're not the writer never makes fun of the writers never make fun of that. They just appreciate them for who they are, and they I think that just makes them so realistic in this in this incredible world that they've created. And I love yeah. that. They're nerdy nerds, meaning that, you know, they're mm-hmm. into their genre of what they like. Right. But they're not portrayed like Revenge of the Nerds. Exactly. You know? Like, they get bullied, but it's it's mostly because they're they're smaller, yeah. not because of what they're really into, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. I, like, I, I thought the, these characters were so well fleshed out. And again, like, you know, as good as the script is, um, Millie Bobby Brown, who played Eleven or yes. L. Like yes. she doesn't have much script to go through, so she's really emoting with her, uh, with her face. You know, like right. she, 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 she was she's fantastic. Yeah, she's oh talking God. without words. You know, it's all, it's all gestures and it's all looks. And mm-hmm. holy shit, man! Like she, you know, as much as I like Gaten, who plays Dustin, I yeah. still think Millie is the breakout star of the series. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
you know, we don't know how what what she is at first, and then you know you you, you tend to learn about her as the boys are, and uh, yeah, it, it's really it's really she's such a sweet character, you know, she means no harm but does what she will for her friends. It's fantastic. Yeah, she may have been the the. I feel like you're right when saying that she's the breakout star, but I really feel like Stranger Things is Winona Ryder's vehicle. Really, you think so? I do. I mean, there's there's a lot of emphasis on her, and I think yeah. she does a fantastic job yes. throughout the entire series. You know, see, my wife, my wife didn't like her in this at all. She felt like she was like a the what? How did you put it? Yeah, they they. She felt like Sally Fields was too old, so they grabbed Winona Ryder. And I liked Winona Ryder in it, but you know, she and I both disagreed on this. But I liked Winona Ryder in this. I thought she was great. Yeah, I liked her as well. Um, you know, I, the thing I still see her as Lydia from Beetlejuice, and I got to stop <laughs> doing that because she's Spock's mom in the Star Trek reboot. You know, um, but uh, yeah, I, I thought at first, you know, like this was her series, but I thought the kids took it from under her, and not in a bad way. You know, like she's awesome throughout. Uh, but I, I still think the kids kind of won everybody over, you know, um, and, and and not even to, to like you know speaking of like adult roles, uh, David Harbour who plays Jim Hopper or Hooper, uh, Hopper, the yeah. sheriff, the, the chief, chief fam, he was fucking awesome as well. Yeah, like, I loved him. Honestly, I did not hate anybody in the show. Right, I did. Re- okay, the, we'll go with that. But uh, yeah. but we're supposed to hate him. Yeah, Matthew Modine. Uh, Matthew Modine's character. Oh, I despised him by the end of this. I was just like, oh, my God. I, you know, you deserve whatever is coming to you, you asshole. Matthew yeah, Modine's, who is this? Yeah, he's Dr. Brenner. He's the guy with the white hair. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Yeah, he's, he's Papa, yeah. right? He, Papa, he, yep. At, at first, I was like, they they feature him so little. Yeah. I thought that they overreached with the casting because the, I was like, they're not utilizing him. Mm-hmm. But he managed to dominate every scene he was in with so little dialogue and you just felt like this wave of evil coming off of him mm-hmm. you know this just this control and i loved him in this it, it, it just every scene he's in it's just like he gives you that he gives he was doing the same thing that l was doing basically yes. he has very little dialogue but you can tell just by his looks and the way people are reacting to him what he's thinking and what he's up to you know it was that type of thing and it's just yeah i at first i was like okay they're they they overreached with the casting he's basically a glorified cameo but as they went on i'm like okay i see why they grabbed him well, you know I, I think it's his hair one thing had a very powerful hairline and very <laughs> like it was like i'm in charge hair you know his <laughs> 80s power suit <laughs> Those he didn't have to say anything, but you knew he was the uh, authority and power, just the way he walked with the hair, and he had wearing those suits. You know, see, I think I think I was actually honestly kind of surprised how little he spoke because I was expecting more of um, uh, Willard C. Scott uh, from Firestarter. Okay, I was expecting I was expecting more of that. You know, kind of more in your face, over the top, a little bit. Yeah. But they went really subtle and really, you know, just kind of, you know, walk into the room and own it yeah. type of character, which I liked. And that's something else. Like, you know, you, you got that character from Firestarter, you know. And also, I also felt there was a bit of William Hurt from Altered States. And hmm. okay, yeah, yeah. Just, just just a bit of that, you know. Yeah. Um, and not just including uh, his character, but as well, just the scientists 
with the suits when they're going into the uh, is it the upside down? Uh, what what was the underside called? Is it underside? yeah the upside down? Oh, yeah. they called it the upside, the upside down. down. But yeah. Just you know, it just felt very like early eighties, like you know, genetic mutants gone wrong type of feel to it. Like the uh, what, what's that? Uh, uh, there's an early eighties film that's uh, about uh, some medical. Anyways. Uh, Oh, sorry. I got the actor wrong. Oh, oh I get, it's George. Uh, it's George C. Scott. Did I say George no, you C. Did. Scott earlier? Okay, I, I'm pretty sure. You Maybe, did. Uh, okay, well, yeah, it's George C. Scott who was in Firestarter. That was I don't remember who it. Yeah, well, you yeah. know what? Whoever you said, I had that picture in my head, so it's all it's all good on my yeah. side. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I just I love the the they really hit or really got the early '80s sci-fi feel. In this film as well, you know. Um, so you know, you got a bit of Firestarter. Uh, I also felt a bit of Dead Zone. I don't know why, just back in my mind, maybe because it's Stephen King. Um, yeah. I got some altered states, especially with the with the water scenes with the helmets. Yeah, the- <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I I know it's going to be it's going to be a three hour podcast on gushing about this movie, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but back to Jim uh, David Harbour who played uh, Jim Hopper. Um, I thought the chief was awesome. You know, he, he's he's a fuck-up. He's in a small town now. He knows he's a fuck-up, but he still has that... Like, he hasn't completely left his 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 job, you know? Like, he still cares, you know? Maybe because it's small kids. I don't know. Um, and I also want to take something back I said. I, I did say that, you know, I didn't hate anybody in the show, but I did hate the bully. What was his name? I'm trying to find him on IMDb right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's not Jonathan the Byers. Two- it's... Who was the boyfriend of Steve? Is it Steve? Let me go back here. Nancy's Steve. boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. Wife, Steve. Wife says it's Steve. Steve. Okay. I hated him at first, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then you had the, you know, the, the, the change of heart type of thing. So right. really, you know, I hated him. I hated the couple he was with as well. His, his, that boy and then that redhead that he was hanging out with. Yeah. They were annoying as hell. Yeah, they, yeah were. they were. I think they were supposed to be. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. But I found Steve wasn't as bad as they were because you kind of saw that he was kind of being annoyed by their attitudes, you know, halfway right. through the series. Um, so you can kind of see a redemption arc coming in. Um, but yeah, those two, two those two hanger ons that he was hanging out with, oh, I just didn't like them from the get go. Mm-hmm. They they were probably uh, my wife pointed out they were very stereotypical for their time. I think they were probably the most stereotypical like characters in this. Yeah, I think everyone else was kind of and they were they were almost stereotypical, but there was the way they portrayed them. They felt like people. They didn't feel like a stereotype. A bit like a caricature of like what it was spo- what kind of bullies they were supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, they kind of felt like a caricature almost, but yeah, like bullies and teens of the time, yeah. you know, as my wife put it, because she was she was actually what the uh, the kids' age when the when this movie was set. So yeah, she was eleven. So yeah, uh, when this movie or the series was set. So yeah, it you know it, she kind of remembers it, <laughs> but yeah. See the two I thought that were most. Uh, kind of stereotypical and the ones I didn't like the, the most was the uh, was the two uh, young bullies. I don't know their names, but the two boys who they, they made the one guy piss his pants and then oh, later on <laughs> what'd you say? Yeah, th- I, I love that scene. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah. They, were, they were also very typical of the time too. Right. But 
See, what I liked most about Hopper was that when we're first introduced to him, I, you know, what his line, I loved it. It's like, Flo, we've discussed this. Mornings are for coffee and contemplation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just fucking brilliant. But I mean, he comes off as just kind of like this small town, you know, jackass. Mm-hmm. But then instantly he walks in and Joyce is there, Winona Ryder's character. And instantly it's like, okay, let's get to work. And, he, and then it just turns out he's... He's incredibly smart and and genuinely excellent at his job and cares so much that he just, you know, quickly became one of my absolute favorite characters in the show. I thought he was just awesome. I think uh, I think my favorite scene of his is when they're interrogating them before they go into the upside down. Okay, And and he's basically like, okay, this is what you're going to (laughs) do. And here's why. Right. And, and you're like, they're never going to go for this. And the next shot is him walking into where Winona Ryder is being held. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're going to go get your kid. <laughs> right. I was just like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that this whole series does really well, and I'm sure you guys are going to would have mentioned it also, is the uh, music. Yes. Oh, it's, my God. The music is fantastic. I'm so yes. excited. It's, it, it is very reminiscent of the Drive soundtrack, just in terms of its 80s it's kind of uh, synth. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I love the opening yeah. theme. Like, yeah. yeah, just that. Oh, it's beautiful. short and it's sweet. And uh, so it's like Daredevil. When I watch Daredevil on Netflix, I never skip the opening theme because it's yeah. so good. It's just like this one <laughs> yes. is probably my favorite, honestly, like for. And and not just the music, but just the the opening. Uh, I guess like the title sequence. Yes, the title's really. It had cool a feeling too, yeah. of the Lucas oh. Lucas Arts uh, logo, you know, the green logo, and then it also had a feeling a bit mm-hmm. of altered states and a bit of the. Uh, well, I guess everybody else is mentioning it. The Stephen King font, and also a bit of yeah. Carpenter in it as well. So so it's really yeah. Amblin Entertainment with Carpenter with King with oh, it just gives you like the kids say all those under 30, it gives you all the feels, you know, it gives all the 80s feels. Um, and I'll admit I skipped over it every time after the first episode. Just I was trying to get the series. I'm gonna th- yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah. You, you just turned 30. So I guess we'll, we'll have to forgive yeah, you for now. <laughs> you know, like nineties was your thing, you know, eighties was my thing. Yes, so it absolutely I understand was. It yeah. felt too old yeah. for you, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, one thing that uh, they mentioned here, I guess it was uh, it was divulged, I think yesterday, the day before, that uh, they're actually doing a uh, soundtrack release for Stranger Things. Um, oh, cool. details to yes. be announced and uh, time to be determined. But they have announced that they're going to be doing one. Now I'm not sure if it's going That's to awesome. be on the original score or if it's going to be just the music they used, like the pop music they used, which was well used as well. But as for the uh, opening uh, sequence and the synth score during duration of the series, um, it was uh, composed by two guys, uh, a Kyle Dixon and a Michael Stein. They're a uh, synth score band from Austin. They have a band called Survive. And the way it's spelt on this website here, it's it's like all capital letters and there's a space between them. So I'm not sure if it, uh, Survive is an uh, acronym for anything. But uh, apparently, because of the popularity of the show, that they just got signed to a record deal. And uh, they're having an album. Uh, I guess they got signed to a, uh, I guess, a um, a label called Relapse. And they have a new album. And that's going to be titled uh, RR, so Romeo Romeo 7349. 
and that's being released on the 30th of September, so just over a month or so away. Um, so I'm easily nice. going to be getting that when it comes out. You can find Survive right now on SoundCloud, which is a platform I don't use much. But I've uh, I've met some either. cool people in Ottawa that have kind of turned me on to the synth wave, um, I guess, uh, well, wave of popularity that's happening right now. So I've discovered some really cool bands using SoundCloud. But uh, you can hear these guys on SoundCloud right now. Uh, they have a song off their latest album, Survive, called uh, AHB or Alpha Hotel Bravo. And uh, I heard I listened to it before the sh- podcast tonight, and it's pretty badass. So if you like the synth on the show, um, catch these guys on SoundCloud. They're gonna be uh, they're gonna be uh, blowing up in the next little while. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And you know, like as much as the synth uh, show or the synth uh, score was awesome, the pop songs are pretty cool too. You know, you had uh, the Bengals, Hazy yeah. uh, Days of Winter, or is it Lazy Hazy? I think it's Hazy Days of Winter, which I like a lot. Um, I had a Hazy <laughs> Shade of Winter. That's it. Um, and there's a few more. I had a listing of all the songs, and my browser crashed, so I can't find it now. But uh, yeah, I thought the <laughs> pop music was really well used. Um, I really noticed it in the first two episodes. Uh, later on in the episodes, I, I was kind of more focusing on the story and less on the music. But uh, the, the first yeah. few episodes really hooked me with the music as well, which just adds a level of enjoyment to the series that I'm sure everybody else has felt. And Definitely. I'm taking a breath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I liked the at, the... at the end of that first episode, we get our first phone call. And it just... It adds a whole other layer to to one, the family search for Will, and two, our kind of what we are expecting and what we are thinking might be going on at that point. And so I thought it was just a really well-placed phone call that uh, kind of takes us takes us in, sucks us in, and is going to you know take us on another seven seven episode ride here. And I thought that was really well done. I thought that was well done. I thought the usage of Christmas lights was fun. Uh, yes. Christmas lights I wish awesome. they used yeah. the Norwegian wall when, more. You know? Yeah, no, it, it was, was such a, cool a really motif like, in the just, background. Like, it just looked awesome, you yeah. know? Um, exactly. Yeah, I, I just wish to kind of use those more, but, you know, it's only an eight episode series, right? You can't keep going to the well every time, I guess. But uh, from what they did use mm-hmm. from it, I thought it was well, uh, it was well executed. Yeah, that, that first moment when Winona. Rather, Joyce gets the light, yeah. the Christmas lights set up. I just, it was like, it just gave the house like a magical feel to it, which is just so perfect for this world. Uh, I, I don't know. I just thought it looked and it's so And when she went back to the grocery store that she works at and, you know, asked for two week advance, got the phone, yeah. got the cash, <laughs> and went back to get all these lights, you know, it just adds a funny moment <laughs> in a, like this, the show isn't a comedy, you know? Uh, to me, it's a sci-fi right. drama. I, I don't know if I would say horror. I guess it could be horror. I guess I just feel maybe I've seen so much that like I wasn't scared during the show. Um, but to me, it's more sci-fi no. than horror. It it definitely more <clears throat> more sorry. It's definitely more on the like the kind of yeah. like creeping horror. It's not an in-your-face stuff. It's with all this going on, you realize what could happen type of thing. They make you think about it and what's going on and what could be happening and all that other stuff. What do you think is the scariest scene in the film or in in the series? I personally think it's probably when, um, you know, when they're making out 
and the uh, girl by the pool gets uh, gets attacked by the monster. I forget what her name was. Was it yeah, Barb? Right. Barbara. Yeah. When Barbara. she gets killed, Barbara. I thought. Yeah. I guess that was like in episode two, beginning of episode three. Uh, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. I thought pretty much that was the scariest yeah. moment because it's the first time you actually see the upside down, you know, in the pool with all like the the tentacle, the tendrils. Yeah. Um, right. It's when you realize yeah, you're dealing with you an know, or like universe. a flip side, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, I thought that was whatever you want to call it. myself. I think that was the most the scariest of 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 the series. Um, I'm not sure what you guys think, but that's that's. No, that one definitely set the tone for, you know, it's like, okay, this happened to mm-hmm. Barb, what happened to the kid? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what is it doing? And and how is it choosing its victims? Because it just seemed random. But yeah, uh, the only thing, that was my only real, thinking back on it, one of my only real complaints is they didn't really yeah. deal with Barb all that much. And then they, they mentioned her, I, yeah, but it's I, like... Uh, they well you find her body they find her body yeah. in the in the upside down but yeah um they in the real world like her friend is the only one that seems to give a shit that she's missing like her right. parents don't their her parents are like yeah cover call yeah. me but they never deal with that like mm-hmm. it, later on which kind of disappointed me but and what throws um, me off there is i thought at one point when after uh th- like the the two officers come to visit hopper at his uh house and they're like oh and by the way the stadies or whatever the hell they call them found found her car her car is that what it was okay yeah Yeah, they found her car so they assume that she's run away away. okay i missed i i thought they'd found her so i was thinking oh wait there's a fake barber running around like that's why i was really confused running away doesn't mean you have to run away you can take the car and run away you know like it's like why would you run away from home and then leave the car (laughs) you know what i mean uh, but yeah, it just seems even like Nancy yeah. tends to forget about her her friend dur- during the last half of the of the series. Well, you know, like like she felt she feels mm-hmm. guilty because of her lie. She was put into a position where she got herself killed. Um, but like you know, there's no outrage from the family. There's no you know. It just seems like it's, it's it becomes an afterthought, which is too bad. Right. Well, and yeah. they might pick that up again in season two. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe they they had to concentrate on it because you know up to a point, and then you know because it was so important to it. But then you know mm-hmm. it's like we only have eight episodes type of thing. But I mean, on the one hand, the series feels like this first season feels like mm-hmm. complete, like a complete story. Nope. But they don't tie up everything. It's not tied up nice and neat in a little bow, um, it, it, which definitely makes it feel like a Carpenter or Stephen King novel. Uh, because you know, because it's just a Carpenter film or a Stephen King novel. Because they they tend not to do that. And, and, and that's one thing about so. the show. Uh, if we uh, if you know, we've all seen the end. The show seems pretty. You know, like do we need a second? If it wasn't for the last five minutes of the last episode, do we want a second? Yeah, right. do we want a for second the one month season of this show, or should we leave it as is, as a perfect little box? You know what I mean? Some shows, like some movies. Don't need sequels, you know? And, and I'm thinking this show, right. I, I think it's awesome as it is. But now they added the one month later, which opens up a season two, you know? Like now you got, uh, well, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that later, I guess. But it just like, you know, you get some new occurrences right before the series ends. It's like, oh, did we need that? Like I didn't, honestly, I'd be happy if it was an eight episode series 
It's a miniseries, like a Stephen King novel, and then that's that, you know? Um, can they put the magic back for season two? Like, or did they blow their wad in the first season, you know? Well, I guess we'll find out soon enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's like Wayward Pines, right? Like Wayward Pines was designed as a miniseries, and then it did well, and so now there's another season. It's like, yeah. does, dude, does that need but to happen? It's even like Twin Peaks in a way. Do we like? Do we need yeah. a series 25 years later? Should we have kept it on a cliffhanger all those years ago? You know, I guess we'll soon find out. See if it if it still works or not. I'm sure it still will. But like, right? Did we need to wrap that up? It was cool to see Eleven in her use of powers for the very first time uh, when she's like being dragged by the guards and they throw her in the room and then she just not turns and like throws the one guy to the wall and just snaps the neck of the other guy. I thought that was just such a cool moment because it was the first time that I could, that I remember at least that we saw like what she was capable of. And I loved that. And it's the first time we actually saw like how powerful she can actually be. Right. Um, It's funny seeing her every time she used her powers and every time she bled, it kind of made me think a bit of spawn and the early image comics where every time he would use his powers, he'd have a counter and would keep counting down to zero because he only had a finite amount of power. And in in her case, we don't really know for sure if she has only so many uses or not. Uh, Because, like, really, she's never really properly nourished and she hasn't really properly rested during the series just because she's on the lamb the whole time. It goes. Uh, But it's it's interesting because, you know, every time she used it, she would use more and more and she'd get more and more tired. So... To me, like when, you know, she used it for the final time, um, it, it just took everything out of her. And like, and that's mm-hmm. all she had left. And that's why she decided to sacrifice herself, you know? Right. Um, because. Yeah. And that moment where she turns and says goodbye, Michael, is just, wow. That was such a powerful, powerful moment. Yeah. Yeah. And sad, you know? Oh, Absolutely. Um, and then that's something else. Like, you think she would return? Would she come back in a different form? You know, uh, mm-hmm. does she come back as a butterfly or something? Like, we don't know anything about her or what she really is. So it's curious to see right. how they're going to tackle that in the future because uh, she is, I think she's a beloved character and it would be a shame not to have her in series uh, or in season two. I think she's definitely going to be there because, I mean, we can jump ahead to the one month later thing. You see Hopper drop off food, and some of the food he drops off is specifically Egos yeah. into that box in the middle of the woods. So, I mean, I think it's it's definitely uh, presented, at least, that she will be back in the second season. But like you say, in what form and what way, we would have no way of Maybe knowing. Maybe she's cocooning. Maybe she becomes one of those, uh, those humanoid uh, plant faces, you know? Who knows? Mm-hmm. And, and that's something I didn't like about the monster. Um Okay. So it looked like the monster from Cloverfield. Oh, oh, but in small. You thought so? See, I did. The way it, like the four, the way it opened its mouth was just like the Cloverfield monster. Am I wrong? Uh, um, you know, honestly, I'd have to rewatch Cloverfield. I still haven't rewatched it since you guys did. Um, oh, gotcha. Call that to me. It made me I think don't remember. More, yeah. It made me think more of. Ah. Uh, uh, any, any Lovecrafty, you know, uh, 90s yeah. direct-to-video anthology films, you know, where it's like the planty faces with the tentacles and the kind of sound hilly. You know what? It made me think a lot of Resident Evil 4. You guys ever play uh, Res 4? 
Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. It made me think of Las Plantos or La Plagia in a way, you know, just the way the, the, the guy, well, the guy looked, you know, had no face. Um, and, that, and that's the thing. So are we to, to believe that those beings are the human equivalents on the under, on the upside down? No, because there'd be a lot more of them. There's Because we only ever see the one. Yeah, yeah. But again, it is in the forest. You know, maybe like us, you know, who lives in the forest. Maybe that's why, you know, he could be the hermit of their of their species. I don't know. Um, but to me, I think I would prefer it more if it was more animal, like like a like a wolf or a dog, like a big dog, or like a big cujo, which would have been more of a reference to more '80s nostalgia. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think it being humanoid, or at least a humanoid form, uh, you know, on two feet, kind of hurts it a bit because, like, what's the next big bad for the following season? Is it, you know, could it be, you know, now that uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, was it Will? Is it Will uh, that got... Yeah, he's yeah, the yeah. Lost. Yeah. lost. Yeah. So is is he going to start spreading these little bugs that will become those things? You know, uh, I I don't know. You know, so I'm just curious to see where they're going to where gonna, they're going to take the protagonist for the following season. If it's going to be like that guy's master, so is it going to be an even bigger guy? That's what I was kind of hoping. I think they just had a little misstep in being a humanoid form that couldn't really communicate with us. I think it would have been better if it was more of an animal, like a four-legged dog or a uh, a wolf or a bear or something. You know, more more animalistic predator than humanoid cunning. You know, I don't know what your thoughts are on That's that. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I I didn't have a problem with the with the creature, and I kind of I looked it up, and I I'm not I'm wrong in saying Cloverfield, but it reminded me of something where. <laughs> The it kind of had four layers where it opened, and I thought it was Cloverfield, but it's it's not according to the pictures I'm looking at. But I can't remember what the hell it was. But um, I don't know. I didn't uh, I didn't have a problem with it. You know, kind of standing on two legs and yeah. walking. You know, in that humanoid form. Uh, I I thought the creature was creepy, and uh, frankly, that's all I really needed from it. I guess I, I thought it was better when it was in the shadows and you didn't see most of it. I thought when it was revealed, it was like ah okay. But, but like been there done yeah. that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, and this is nitpicking a great show, you know. Like if my final, you know, like you know, negative criticism is I didn't like the final design of the of the evil in the series, then you know that's mm-hmm. that's just me nitpicking, right? What about you, Ash? What did you think of the monsters? I liked the design. I was actually slightly disappointed because it wasn't a guy in a suit. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I could it, like a couple of shots. I could kind of tell it was CG. I, it, yeah, then yeah. I mean, the the upside down it was, I and you could tell they enhanced it with CG anyway. Um, but it right. wasn't supposed to look natural. Um, but uh, the the creature like sometimes it looked great. And other times it was just like, eh, it's close, but not quite there. But no, I thought the design was pretty good. It it I think it had the the kind of Lovecraftian feel, the kind of like the kind of weird things you might see in a John Carpenter or a Stephen King novel, you know, it, it 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 kind of reminded me a little bit of the thing, uh, as far as you know what it, how it was like going after people with its face like that, um, but it kind of reminded me of the uh, the thing the the oh god what do you call them the shit weasels in uh, the Stephen King novel they they made it a movie um, the dream catcher dream catcher. 
Yeah, that was oh, what it was. With the, you had the shit monsters? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah that, it, it kind of reminded me it, it, of that. It was kind of in the same vein, kind of the weird twist on something we already know. Uh, that that was kind of what it was. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. I've seen Dreamcatcher, but not in a long... It's been a long time. I couldn't possibly talk about it intelligently at this point, but... Oh, I have nothing intelligent to say about that film. You know, for me to speak intelligently <laughs> about it, it's got to have intelligence. <laughs> yeah, the the Dreamcatcher of the film is a perfect example of a Stephen King novel being gutted to make it into a film, but... Yeah. I'll tell you, the first time I yeah. saw it was in theaters, and I loved it, but I was also tripping balls <laughs> on acid. It's the only movie I saw on acid <laughs> in the theaters, and it was amazing. And then I buy the DVD and watch it off acid, and it was horseshit. Oh, my God. <laughs> so if you have some good acid, pop it in. Just uh, Just the eyebrows. Uh, itself on uh, Morgan Freeman will make uh, <laughs> make a see hmm. make it's, it's crazy. The eyebrows are crazy. So at the end of uh, one of these episodes here, we get Will being pulled out of the water, and you know it's we find out you know it is Will, or so the, the characters find out they believe it is Will at least, um, and um, that threw me off because I really didn't expect them to pull Will out. Obviously, we come to find out that it was a dummy and it was planted there. But still, I thought that was a really interesting moment because as the audience, I'm not sure. At that point, I thought maybe I was dealing with a haunting at the house, not something like what we actually were mm-hmm. dealing with. And then that leads to kind of the start of the following episode where Winona Ryder's character, Joyce, is just kind of going crazy at this point. Like, you know, I've seen everything she's talking about that's happened, and I still have a hard time believing her character. And so I can only imagine how insane she must look at that point from the outside looking in. I thought that was just uh, really well done. And kind of that arc that that sticks with her is, you know, kind of that descent into what appears to be madness. But because we know the the truth, it in fact is not madness. But you know, if you're an outsider looking in, it has to appear as if she's you know going mad. You know, it, it shows like this where you know you see a crazy person on the street. You know, in your hometown, you know, you just walk down the street and there's a crazy person like talking to themselves. You're thinking, right. are are they you know are they dealing with something <laughs> like what a writer's dealing with? You know that do they need help? <laughs> are their kids okay? Should I go and help them out <laughs> on their adventures? You know, or are they just that like, batshit crazy? You know, uh, mm-hmm. most of the times I'm sure that they are batshit crazy, and uh, the only way you right. can really help them is if you give them a bath. Um, I'd probably just <laughs> give them a shower. I wouldn't shower with them, <laughs> um, but I would probably watch. Yeah. Yeah, obviously you would. Well, yeah. I gotta make sure that all nooks and crannies are grime free. That is my contribution to society. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Do you oh, want a loofah? We thank you for it. I love the scene where they dress up L because it was so reminiscent of the uh, scene in E.T. where E.T.'s being dressed up or where <laughs> E.T. gets dressed <laughs> yeah. up. That's reminded me of that I so much. think about that. That's very, yeah. Yeah, that's very good. That's very good. <laughs> Well, they actually there's Another actually kid. pictures online of them side by side, and they're basically almost wearing the same outfit. Yeah, that's what I thought. I couldn't remember because I hadn't seen ET in a while, but I was pretty certain it was very similar at the least. So, very cool. I love that. I, I had a I had a pretty good laugh uh, when the uh, 
after the uh, bury will and the father uh, is berating uh, uh, I guess is it the youngest son was it was it I guess it was the oldest son uh, the evil dead. yeah the evil dead poster scene yeah the oldest son oh, yeah. I, 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 I had a good Jonathan. I had a good laugh to that you know yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I saw Evil Dead poster, the Thing yeah. poster, Jaws yeah. poster. Um, they they referenced Michael Myers. Um, I mean, there's just so many things that we love uh, that just you know puts this right on our you know kind of our uh, sweet sweet spot for what we enjoy. Well, right watching. off the bat, I love the kids just because they were playing D and D. I mean, come on, right? <laughs> and it was old school D and D. The books look right. Uh, you know, it was That's beautiful. Awesome. Yeah, love that. What's funny, I saw on uh, a friend's uh, Facebook wall, they're talking about it today, how the posters mm-hmm. looked mint and that back in the day, those posters should have been folded. <laughs> it's like, oh. that's attention to detail. I'm like, yeah, I suppose they would yeah, be because they just started rolling posters to like the late 80s. Uh, all posters back oh, wow. in the day used to come folded. So that's why all the, mostly the old school posters you'll see uh, in collections all have those creases because they never came in rolled up until uh, late 80s, early 90s. Actually, if you were smart, my wife just pointed out, her friends and her used to put towels over their posters and they would iron the creases out. And then you couldn't tell. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um I don't know if the kids would play with irons. I don't know if the mothers would play with irons. I don't think there's good linens on the posters, but they would be producers. They had older siblings, though, too. So, you know, yeah, I could see it. (laughs) Oh, man. The, yeah. Um, well, and that, yeah, that's the other thing my wife points out. Back in the 80s, parents used to actually teach their kids to do their, sh- or their own shit. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so they were prepared. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Another character that I absolutely loved was uh, their, their teacher, Mr. What was it? Mr. Clark. Yeah. I thought he was just like a really like genuinely good guy who just liked these boys and uh, was there to just, you know, help them in any way that he could. And I thought I just really liked the character. Even when yeah. the kids are being cog blockers, he still helps them out. You know? That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Watching the thing. Watching the thing. Awesome. Yeah. And then he th- throws out that information <laughs> that you can get from the making of documentary. Yeah. He, uh, as a. Uh... You know, as an AV uh, teacher slash, you know, science teacher. Yeah, uh, he was awesome as an as a, I guess, a uh, conduit for the kids in the nerdy sense stuff, but with right. real characters. So, yeah, I really dug that uh, that teacher. Mm-hmm. I liked the probably one of the, the guys that I would have loved to have seen more of. And I was actually kind of shocked by his death was the guy who helps L out at the beginning of the series. Like when she shows up and she's stealing the food. Yeah, yeah. The the uh, restaurant like, owner. I figured, yeah, I figured he'd chase her out, and that'd be the end of it. Mm-hmm. And it turns out he's a really cool dude, and, yeah. and is just trying to help. I was just like, I he's awesome. Yeah, I was pissed when the fake social services comes in and uh, just shoots him. I was yeah. like, what? I didn't expect that at all. Well, she wasn't social services, but yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's why I said the fake social services. Yeah, it pissed me off. I hated that lady, man. I was so glad when she finally got hers at the end. Yeah, she uh, she did her role perfectly then. That's exactly what oh, you want in a government agent, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I love that moment uh, 
when uh, well what a couple moments one when the bully gets his when he's you know frozen and l makes him piss himself that was hilarious because i hated the bullies so much mm-hmm. and i was hoping that they were going to have a reason going to have a purpose which you know as it goes along they they do because they're kind of what sends the chief in the right direction um but the other moment is when um oh uh, hoppers i think he was i don't remember if this was in the hospital or what it was, but he walks up and uh, he says, um, you know, oh, O'Bannon sent me. And the cop's like, I don't work with an O'Bannon. He goes, did, did I say O'Bannon? I meant, uh, okay. And then he just punches him. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Um, oh, yeah, because it was right before he found out they that just, Will's body was fake. That's what it was. made an alien reference and I didn't catch it when we watched it. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yep. Yeah, because uh, O'Bannon's so many, the one I mean, who wrote Alien. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many uh, references. I mean, Nance, the names are are big ones. You know, Nancy, Barbara. Um, yeah, so many. But and we another haven't really reason talked I talked about uh, Nancy and uh, the love triangle between Nancy, uh, Jonathan, and Steve. Exactly. Yeah. Um, at first, I'm. I was kind of not into it at all because I'm like, we don't mm-hmm. need this layer of teen drama angst. You right know, during you know this series, but it turned out that they played big players at the end of the series. So uh, yeah, yeah, and and really, Jonathan Byers, uh, Charlie Heaton, he, you know, he's he starts off at like I wasn't sure how old he was because he wasn't in high school; he was working. So I thought maybe he was a few years older than everybody. But the way I took it is that he actually was the same age, and he just dropped out to help out with the family. Am I, I correct think he was in still that? School, because uh, yeah, I'm pretty have, sure they didn't have work programs. Uh, at least in oh. my school in New York, uh, yeah, you could work. You go to school for half a day, and then you go work, and the other the other half. Gotcha. I thought I I thought I saw him in school at one point yeah. doing something. Yeah, well, he, he was, was in school. Well, he was putting the flyers up, but he's yeah. in. He oh. like they talked to his teachers or something later too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't a class in the photo lab. He was developing photos in the school's photo lab. And they wouldn't just let anybody off the street to use that. So, unless he's friends with the nerdy science teacher and lets him use the lab, you know, for well, I I think he kind of when his brother went missing, he just stopped going to focus on finding his brother. Okay, yeah, I wasn't too sure on that. I thought he was maybe a year or two older, and uh, that's why you know he kind of liked Nancy, but didn't really know Nancy. But I guess they didn't know each other well enough. Um, well, even in a small school, though, I, you, you there are people you don't know. You, you see every day, and you don't know them too. Yeah. So, yeah. And and th- I guess the scene I'm thinking of specifically is when um, Steve drops his camera because he was coming out of the school, and you know the girl was there mm-hmm. and tells about it, which just made me think that he was in school. I guess which he he didn't necessarily have to be, obviously, like you said, but the kind of that's the that's the feeling I got out of it at least. But yeah, that. I didn't expect Steve to kind of um, make the turn that he did, and I didn't expect Steve and her to get together at the end. Um, but Steve's character makes a, a large arc, I think, throughout the series, and he makes mistakes. He is a fuck up, and then he shows up at the end when it could not be a more worse time to show up. I know. Uh, you know, just to kind of play on like, that fuck up. I was just like, uh, he showed up and I'm like, he's going to die. And then those yeah. two are going to feel bad for it. Or, you know, right. I was having expecting him to step on the bear trap and everything yeah. else. And I'm just like, oh God, this is... Yeah, Bridget's like, oh, they're going to shoot him because like he didn't leave. He he ran out because they told him to leave. 
And I was about to get in the car and then he sees the lights flashing. And so Bridget was like, oh, he's going to come back and they're going to shoot him. And so, which obviously didn't happen because he came back in and saved the day. But um, yeah, it just felt like he was going to die because he's a fuck up. But I really was surprised during that one month later segment that he was Mm -hmm. with Nancy. Yeah, me too. I really did think that uh, it was going to be Jonathan, but... uh, Yes, after everything they went through... It just that brings that can bring people together, but, and you know, I really thought it would. At the same time, you did well, kind of see that Steve had like an actual affection for Nancy, right? When he when he started, tried to court her, you know, mm-hmm. um, you knew that he had a lot of girls in the past, but it seemed right. like he actually actually liked her. It wasn't just a notch on his belt. Well, right, it, yeah. My wife just pointed out um, back in the eighties, teen culture actually having sex with somebody meant that you were kind of bonded to them too, you know, type mm-hmm. of thing emotionally, you know, it wasn't just a, you know, sex for sex thing. You led up to sex and then sex meant that you guys were a thing. So <laughs> that's silly. I'm glad that's over. Oh, man. I'm bonded with everyone. <laughs> I don't want to go there. Yeah, no, it was an emotional thing, not a, like a cultural thing for the yeah. girls, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it, that was yeah. So that's why my wife, you know, was not surprised that she ended up back with Steve. It, it just seems like that you know segment of the series was more uh, John Hughes, John Hughes-ish. You know, mm-hmm. like the pretty and pinkish, you know, kind of not the popular girl, a little nerdy, but she blossoms to be the, you know, the quarterback's right. girlfriend type of thing. I, like, was he even a athlete? No. Like, do, do those mention so. games? Well, they mentioned a game, but I think they were just attending it. Yeah. Yeah, they, right. Or, or maybe the sport he played was in the offseason because I thought he had some athletic, you know, proudness to him. Again, maybe it's just made up in my mind and my little backstory made up for him. I think he just, he, he, I don't think he necessarily had to go out for sports because it looked like his family had money. And I don't think he, he, uh, to, to quote Breakfast Club, he didn't feel like a sporto to me. (laughs) (laughs) I, he felt more like the, the kid that kind of watches back and, and, you know, it's just a cool kid among the group. He didn't have to do out for sports to be cool. So obviously they had a lot of money because like who here can afford a murder pool? I know I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So is one, another thing I loved about, about the boys is just, I I felt like they were, they they were so damn smart. They just seemed so mature beyond their years. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons I was so, uh, you know, kind of into them, you know, it, it just, uh, I, that I believed them, I guess. Yeah. They had a deep goonie bond. Right. You know? Yeah. They, they seemed like they were genuinely friends for a long time. And I thought that was awesome that they were able to build that chemistry in just, you know, these eight hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of that, and my wife and I both agree on this, is because they are fl- they feel like real people. They mm-hmm. don't feel like caricatures of these kids. You know, they feel like... You know they've got they've had some life experience in the belt. Yeah, they're only they're only, they're only twelve or uh, I think yeah they were twelve in the show, right? Yeah, but yeah, it, it, so but they've been through quite a bit, you know, together. So it, it makes sense. So they're yeah. twelve right now. Fast forward six years, five years. Who do you think mm-hmm. is doing heroin first? <laughs> who, who's the heroin problem, and who tries to save them? Who tries to clean them up? I th- Sorry. I oh. think it's Dustin because his teeth still didn't grow in, so he gets a black <laughs> habit. 
And it's up to oh, Lucas. Man. Yeah. Oh, and, okay. Uh, my, my wife says I. My wife says I phrased it wrong. Uh, they're. <laughs> it's not that they're 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 written well. It's they're written as people. They're not treated like props, like most kids are in films. Mm-hmm. And I would agree with her on that because they're they feel like even though they're like twelve, I would love to sit in on D and D game with them. I think that would be a blast. Yeah, like I mean, ten they, hour sessions. Yeah, they, they they remind me actually of my of my stepson when he was twelve, real boy. Hmm. You know, it just kind of mm-hmm. yeah. I thought um, Hopper's past was a lot more interesting than they were letting on about five six episodes in, um, and we kind of get a little more in the kind of the last episode, maybe the last two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's so much more for uh, us to kind of learn there. Well, from what I took of it, after the death of uh, their child, the couple separated, and then he took a small-time job here, slept with half the locals. That's why, you know, he had uh, he he got some heat from the librarian when he went to the library to look at the yeah, photo uh, the photo fiches, and as well, <laughs> I I think he also slept with uh, with uh, Joyce. Choice, I yeah. think even Winona Ryder yeah. had a uh, has a history, and that's why uh, the dad's out of the picture and why he hates cops so much. Oh, I I just think that this is all you know. It's kind of like read between the lines type of thing. They're not mm-hmm. saying that she you know she and uh, Joyce and Jim uh, slept together, and that's why the dad's gone. Um, or it could be that the dad left, he swooped in, and now the dad doesn't like having a cop in his old house. Who knows? We don't know that for sure, but there's obviously some sexual history with uh, probably a good third of the women in the town that he uh, polices, which is bad business if you're a cop. You should not <laughs> do that. Don't dip your pen in the company ink. Right. What gives you the um, idea that he was kind of in a bigger town and then came here after the death of I his daughter? It. Yeah. Didn't he mention it was like a New York cop or a big city cop before? Does he? Okay, I, I believe. I, I thought I so. I thought so. Yeah, they, I thought his, mentioned his, it. Plus, he wasn't when the the hospital his daughter was in was not a small town hospital. Well, that may be, but I know he was because he said that he was the he was there for the chief for four years, and his daughter died three years ago, and so he uh, would have had to have been in the same town. Okay, oh well, maybe okay. Well, oh. I said correct that, but no, he yeah. he mentions that they or the other cops mentioned that he worked in like the big city before, gotcha. and that he he was actually like a big time cop. But the daughter, the daughter, uh, the daughter was four when she died, or whatever old she was. Doesn't mean, or it was three or four. Um, I still think he moved to the town after the passing, after he separated from his wife. So well, even though no, the daughter died young, I think it's you know no, was, no, no. The the daughter was like seven or eight when she died. I think maybe five, like six, seven or eight. But she specifically says because it's like in the first or second episode when they're searching, like the search party's out, yeah, and uh, the Mister Clark comes up to him and tells him, you know, basically I'm here to help, yes, and uh, says something about his daughter. Oh, maybe I'll get your daughter in my class, and he says, no, she she's moved. Yeah. And then there's like a townsperson that comes up to him and says, she died three years ago, oh. and so that I'm about ninety nine percent certain of that. And so that's what no. – and then I know he says to uh, Joyce's character, to Anona's character, rather Joyce, that, you know, in, 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 do you know how, how, what the worst thing that's happened in my four years as, as chief of this city, blah, blah, blah? Yeah. Now, I remember that speech. I remember what you, the scene you're speaking of. Um, mm-hmm. I just assumed he went to the town after her passing just to get away. Uh, I completely yeah. missed the boat on that one. 
Well, and the, the other thing with that, too, is when he tells her, yeah, it, when the um, Hop tells uh, the, the teacher, you know, you, you won't see her, you know, she's staying with her mom in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he mentions in the city. So I think that was part of why, you know, I got the impression that he was a big city cop that moved out. Like he, something terrible happened to him in the city and he came out to the sticks to to continue doing what he likes to do, but to have a less eventful situation. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I feel like there's so much more there to learn about Hopper, which is, makes his character very interesting to me. And I hope we kind of explore that in the next season. And I think we will with what we saw in that last month later yeah. segment, you know, right. like he, at the end of this, at the end of the series, even before that, you know, he, he leaves to go into a car and then he's delivering food. And there, there's, like you mentioned, there's a lot of unanswered questions. Right. Um, in a way, it's kind of too bad there are unanswered questions because I still mm-hmm. think, I, I still don't know if I want a second season of this just because the person was perfect, you know? Um, yeah, I guess I guess we'll find out soon enough. Now I have a question: Ryan. Was this show yeah. a show for Netflix that they picked up after they saw how good it was, or was this show a Netflix show from the ground up? Do we know anything about that? Um, let me look. I don't know offhand at all. Because you no. know how now Netflix is like buying movies at uh, festivals right. and whatnot. I wonder yeah. if the show was already fully like you know uh, imagined and like mm-hmm. shot. And then Netflix bought it. It says it was created for Netflix okay. on the wiki page, at least. But hang on, let me. Uh, no, it doesn't tell you. Doesn't uh, tell you. <laughs> I would like to, to imagine that this was made specifically for Netflix and it wasn't chopped around to other networks just because it seems like it's such a perfect fit for yeah. a streaming site like that, you know? Right. Um, but because of its quality, I can easily see that show on HBO as well. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's got a true detective feel to it, especially the, okay. I haven't seen season two yet. But like, it just felt you know because the craftsmanship was there, the dedication to uh, detail was there. That mm-hmm. you know, it could easily be an HBO show. Hmm. I don't know that I've ever watched an HBO show, so I'll just take your word for it. Really? Yeah. Like you never <laughs> watched Sopranos or Six and Under or anything like that? No. Well, hell, even Game of Thrones, Thrones has that that same epic feel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not TV. It's HBO. It's Hibbo. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just, you know, I, I just find the show just almost perfect that. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, I, I just pulled it up on IMDb and I just realized one of the things the state trooper is apparently reading Cujo. Yeah. Oh, is he? Yeah. That one that one who's guarding that. the morgue is reading Cujo. Yeah. Oh, we even talk huh. about the body. That episode is pretty. It was a, oh, quite a turning point. Up. You know, when they discover that the body in the morgue isn't actually the body of uh, of Will, but it's yeah. a it's a latex body stuffed with uh, with a foamy substance. You know, um, yeah. Now, now you know, like, well, okay, so th- this agency is not in the working in the best interest of the community. What's going exactly. on here? The cops are involved. Uh, you know, like to me, that was a huge turning point, and that's kind of the reason why I didn't stop watching after episode four. Um, I couldn't. You know, that's a pretty mm-hmm. big cliffhanger. A good cliffhanger to to wait to make this a two episode show, but uh, you know, it, I needed to know more. Like, that was done perfectly in the middle of the series, you know? 
Yeah. Okay. You know, I'll be honest with you. It didn't have that that just one more feel to it for me or, or pull to it for me at least. Mm-hmm. I watched the episodes because I was, you know, doing it for, uh, you know, for the podcast. Yeah. I ran out of time and needed to do it. Um, and so if I wasn't watching for the podcast, I don't even know – I don't know how long it would have taken me to finish it. Um, I it, I liked it. It was great. I felt it got a lot better toward the end. Okay. Um, in maybe kind of the last three episodes, it was kind of maybe the last even just two. Sure. It was like, yeah, I want to see how this ends. Yeah. But unlike things like um, Lost or even uh, Making a Murderer, going back to one of the ones that we talked about recently, mm-hmm. those I was like, I need to continue. I have to know what happens next. Whereas this one – didn't have that quite that same thing. And I, it might have something to do with just the, how the episodes ended. Um, they didn't end on quite the same type of cliffhanger okay. that something like Lost did. Yeah. But I think the reason for that is because this is a series that is intended to watch at your leisure. It's not something where, you ha- where you're trying to get the viewer to come back next week. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a, a, a specific and, and very uh, kind of unique difference that we have nowadays with things that are premiering on Netflix versus something that's premiering on network TV. And, and I find it is changing the landscape of television mm-hmm. uh, where now shows are ending where, you know, the episode ends and you need to know what's happening next. Like right now I'm a little behind, but I'm watching preacher. Oh, okay. I've never read the comics, so I have an idea of what it's about, but I, I just don't follow. I don't follow the story. And uh, each episode is like, Holy shit, I need to watch the next one. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm behind right now, so I can. I think I'm two episodes <laughs> right. behind. But once I catch up, I'm going to have to wait seven days. And that's yeah. not going to be fun, you know? Um, and, and like yourself, I didn't get that feel with Making a Murderer just because I didn't like the subjects in the story. By the end, mm-hmm. I'm just, I was tired of them, you know, because <laughs> of, again, the, the stupidity. Um, I felt I was getting dumber watching it. Um, and I think I am dumber now. Crickets. Um, so, so yeah. Um, yeah, I, I find, you know, now everybody's binging and that's the big thing. Like that's probably the, right. big, the next big word in the dictionary for 2016. Oxford's going to allow mm-hmm. binging as an official word now for, you know, an adjective for watching TV, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I had that feeling, you know, uh, maybe it's because, you know, I had a more of a nostalgia feel or a, a pull to it compared to you just because you're only 30 and you're young and you have your life ahead of you. <laughs> and like myself, where I'm closer to 40 and my knees are going. <laughs> so who knows? Who knows? But uh, yeah, um, like, did you, did you want to go into final thoughts now or is there more to... Uh, Oh wait, 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 uh, hang on. Um, I, I have to. Uh, there's a couple of things. Um, I just pulled up an IMDb. Uh, Will Will won, wins one of Dustin's comics in the first episodes, and he asks for yeah. X Men X Men number one thirty four. Right. Um, that is when Jean Grey turns into the Dark Phoenix for the first time after being tortured. Yeah, I had to look it up immediately. I pulled up my phone. I was like, "Ooh, I wonder which one that is." I guarantee yeah. you it has to have some Ooh, meaning. That's yeah. cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Um and then uh where is it? Um Oh, the quarry. The quarry is actually the same location used in Walking Dead season 1. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Um, that makes sense. 
Built in the same spot. Yeah. And uh, where is it? They were talking about, oh, Dustin. We were talking about Dustin. Mm -hmm. Uh, Apparently his voice changed so much by the time production ended that the sound team couldn't use him for additional dialogue recording. Oh, wow. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Somebody's balls dropped, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's funny. Yeah. And that's that's life with, uh, you know, filming with kids, right? You know, they're changing mm-hmm. so quickly. Like, I know for, like, the little girl, uh, I guess it was uh, it was uh, the Wheeler's daughter, you know, the youngest blonde one, the baby. Um, yeah, yeah. And yet, uh, they had twins just because of the age, because the kids mm-hmm. changed so much. Huh. There were moments when, um, so when, when Elle goes into the sensory deprivation tanks, mm-hmm. um, she gets, she appears in this black room, pure black. Oh God. That reminded that, me of that Scarlett Johansson movie. Yep. Exactly. I was just going to say it was so like perfectly right out of another recent sci-fi flick. And I can't, I can't remember the hell the damn thing's called. I didn't is look it, it up. Under, I just know it is the skin? naked Scarlett Johansson movie. Is it under your skin? Uh, under the, under her skin. Is that it? Yes, something like that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. But yeah, under the skin, under her skin, under something. Under under the skin. Yep, under the skin. Under, yeah, no, that reminded under, me of that so much. Yeah, that's one I still haven't watched yet. But I heard comparisons to that film to this uh, to those sequences. Yeah, it was. I, I've watched. I think I made it through about halfway of Under the Skin, and it was just it was so weird. I mean, it was fun to see Scarlett Johansson naked, but the what? Uh, novelty lost its appeal after a while and so i stopped watching but oh, really? uh, it was just too fucking weird for me i don't know i need it, to try it, it again it's a very very weird movie yeah yeah i actually sat through the whole thing of that uh and i didn't even know scarlett johansson got naked and i was just watching it because it was a sci-fi movie with scarlett johansson in it and then i was just like, yeah oh okay that's a lie he's just saying that because his wife is next to him yep. but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. She, she knows I like Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> and she likes porn. So you know. <laughs> oh man, I was just kidding. Pornography. <laughs> yeah, I, oh. I I have a list of all the guys that she would sleep with anyway. So you know, the famous ones. So. A list. Yeah. Oh man. Well, not just the famous ones, but yeah, you know, yeah. You know we, we both we both have like the list of celebrities that we have. You know. We're okay to just, you know, go off with if they should happen to be show up and willing. So is there somebody on the list that just had a birthday yesterday? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. No. (laughs) Stabbed through the heart. (laughs) It's all right. Um, Yeah. So, like, I think it was this had to be episode seven. I'm sorry. Six. When I wrote down that the tension was really starting to kind of ratchet up, um, and that actually happened to be the place where I ended because uh, something was coming on that I wanted to watch on, I think it might have been wrestling or something, mm-hmm. but uh, that's kind of where it was like that point where I really wanted to get to the conclusion because I wanted to know how this was going to end. And um, I loved the, I loved whenever Elle was able to kind of showcase her strength, and that happened again in that episode where she basically catches, uh, what's his name? Um, Mike, as he steps off the ledge to save his friend, yeah, she catches him in the air and then breaks the guy's arm. I thought that was such such cool moments. Um, and then later on, when we get to see the 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 point where uh, the she lifts the van in the air and kind of flips the van over, that's chasing them. Yeah. That's cool. Um, Too bad it was used during the promos for the show. Yeah. You know? Oh, I never saw it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was used during the promos for the show, which kind of you know 
you're so you're expecting it eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was a very cool moment. Yeah. Well, see, I'd forgotten and, about it being in the promo until it happened. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then speaking of Dusty, you know, he's kind of uh, the comedic relief of the group. Mm-hmm. But there were moments where it's just, man, uh, specifically when he comes upstairs and the, the bad guys are coming to the house and he says to Michael, you know, Michael, Michael, we need to leave right now. I mean, it was just the weight of that moment was so on point in that in that perfectly acted moment there. I thought it was so so damn well done. Um and just another, you know, notch on his belt to how how good of a, an actor that kid really is. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, again, like that that character had so much range to it mm-hmm. and as a child actor, he delivered everything perfectly. Like he was right. the voice of reason. He was the eyes of the audience. Um, he was a comic relief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, kudos to that kid. Seriously. Right. And then uh, Lucas in this episode also admits that he was wrong uh, to L. And it's just, God, it's like these characters are so mature. And I, you know, as I said already, that's why I love them so much. And, uh, you know, just all four of them and then five, including, or all, all three of them rather. Three of the boys and the one girl, so four total. Just just excellent all around. Yeah, I thought so too. It's fantastic. A scary moment to me, and just probably because it's so, uh, <laughs> I don't know, kind of hits home right now here, is when um, the dad, uh, Mike's dad looks out the window and says, uh, talking about the bad guys, says, we have to trust them. This is our government. They're on our side. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. God damn. <laughs> Love that moment and just like, wow, you just <laughs> could not be more backwards. Yeah. Well. And uh, that's scary to me because there's just like nothing you can do in that situation. I don't know. In Canada, you do trust your government. You know, they give you uh, an right, amount yeah. of maple syrup once a month. Yep. And uh, mm-hmm. it's enough for everybody. You know, uh, we have our health care. So, yeah, what's not to trust, guys? Come on. Right. That's what I say. It's a different different world up there than it is down here. How is now. it different for you guys? I don't I don't get it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, one, another thing I loved specifically about the end of this episode, and this was episode seven. Um, so the final moments happen, and then it's just silence. And uh, the credits, I don't know if they're 100% silent, but they're pretty quiet compared to what we've seen earlier in the series. And it's just so perfect because it sets up this this final episode so perfectly. Yeah, it's when it gets serious, like the final, like, right. like pretty much everything you're leading up to the last episode. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where you get your, like, you know, you, you, that's where you get your money shot. You have the people, you have uh, the chief and Joyce going on the uh, to the other side. Um, you've mm-hmm. got the kids fighting the monster, you know, yeah. like both sets of kids, you know, the, the tweens yep. and the teens, um, like everything's building up for this last hour. And I thought it delivered like in spades. Yeah. I mean, the climax is, is really incredible. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think this works as kind of a long movie. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't really have to be a series, you know, and, and I think it's smart because they don't call it episodes, you know, it's not episodes, they're chapters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that's just so fitting to this whole feel of this entire thing. You know, it's it's one 
one entity that just happens to have different chapters. And I think that's so, you know, perfectly done throughout this whole, this whole series. Mm -hmm. And and if we're nitpicking, we can probably trim down the series from eight episodes to maybe six episodes to have more meat on the bones. Mm -hmm. I I thought some things were just slightly just being played out a little too slowly. Um, I'm glad it wasn't a 12 episode series. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, eight was good. Um, they could have probably trimmed it a bit more, but again, yeah. this is nitpicking, you know. Right. I I so, didn't like the arc with the father. I yeah that, 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 that pointless. Yeah, that seemed kind of pointless, but it kind of the only thing it did was further uh, uh, Winona's character, mm-hmm. uh, and it. it, it that's really what it seemed to do because when she realizes what he's doing, you know, and she's just like, whatever, get the hell out, yeah. you know, and and she stands up for herself, for her kids and everything that I liked. But like, I don't know that we needed all of that surrounding that, but I don't know. I, the father was just smarmy from the get go to me anyway. I was just like, yeah, you're a scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> I had a pretty awesome car. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. have an awesome car, but he's making up for a little dick, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Ash, what are your uh, final thoughts and your star rating for a season one of Stranger Things? Uh, I think it was the best Steven Spielberg, Stephen King, John Carpenter non-adaptation ever. Um I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I liked the fact that everyone felt like, you know, they were most everyone felt fleshed out. It felt like a real world. And the nostalgia factor was insane. Loved the music. Uh, I'm giving it four out of four. Awesome. And what about you, Mark? I thought it was practically a perfect nostalgia trip. Um, I loved it from the first, you know, minute in. I could just tell that this was made with, uh, with an eye for detail and a love for the genre. Um, yeah, again, I watched it within two to three days. Uh, I give it uh, easily a four to four. Awesome. Yeah. What So what amazes me most about Stranger Things is how quickly the whole series felt to me, the whole season felt. I mean, mind, I watched the entire series in two sittings, but I mean, each episode just flies by. The pace was perfect. The characters are memorable, genuinely likable, and the story being told is engaging as hell, especially for like a horror and sci-fi nerd like us, you know, nerds like us and myself. Um, so though it, it didn't give me that, uh, you know, quote unquote, just one more feeling that shows like Lost or Making a Murderer might have, um, the overall story, it's unique, it's cohesive, and it's it's simply entertaining. Um, it's absolute must watch for fans of 80s adventure and sci-fi flicks like E.T., The Goonies, um, Altered States, things that we've talked about already. Um, or anyone that simply has a fondness for science fiction in general. There are so many homages to be found here uh, from some of our favorite horror and sci-fi films that anyone who likes those things are are going to appreciate. So, I mean, Stranger Things, it really is a great series, and it gets better with each chapter, climaxing with the final episode, which is so important. I mean, it's just, it's a blast, pure and simple. So I'm, I'm giving it three and a half out of four stars. So that... Is that for Stranger Things? Mm-hmm. I uh, uh, thank you, Ash, for suggesting that because it was a ton of fun to watch and uh, a lot of fun to talk about. So good pick there. So remember, 
Next week, we are beginning our seven podcast arc covering the directorial career of Rob Zombie. And the first episode is going to be a review of House of a Thousand Corpses. And hopefully you guys are excited about that one as we are, because I know I am pumped to get going on that. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or whatever the hell else it might be that you're listening to us. Positive reviews help us get more listeners, and that's always the goal. So we really appreciate you taking the time to leave us a review. So thank you guys for taking a couple hours out of your day to listen to our ramblings on Stranger Things. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Ash, for joining me again this week. Hopefully you guys had some fun. Always. did. Absolutely. All right. So that's that. I want to thank everyone for listening. And we will catch you next time.